Today's episode of The Mask Man Show is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling sports and music tickets. SeatGeek makes buying tickets on your phone a total snap. With just two taps, you can instantly buy tickets to an event that same day, have your tickets delivered straight to your phone, and enter the event without ever having to print a ticket. And if you can't go to the show, you can sell your tickets directly from the app in less than 30 seconds. With SeatGeek, there's no guesswork. You'll know exactly where you're sitting, what you'll pay, and whether or not you're getting a good deal all right from your phone. So drop your old ticket app and experience buying and selling tickets the way it should be. To start using SeatGeek, download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I can't believe it took that long to come up with such a boring name. Dan St. Germain. I love it. I'm pro the Masked Man Show. Yeah, that's really great. And I'll take your, I'll take on your Twitter army. I thought you said you were going to take credit, which you sort of can. We had a really heartfelt discussion in like the in the front seat of your Toyota Corolla or whatever about it was a month a, ago. Yeah, it was a it was a uh, Honda Civic, uh, and we we did it looking out at the pier. Yeah, it was a very cinematic. I didn't even moment. know LA had a pier. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Well, it's where I keep my pigeons. I so. mean, I know LA had. I know the beaches have piers, but yeah, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, Santa Monica has one. Yeah, that's not really what I think of as LA. I'm still learning, guys. Uh, it's been a giant week in the in the pro wrestling world, right? We're recording this on a on a what Wednesday morning? Is today Wednesday? Yes. I'm so bleary eyed right now. I think I've been on a shoemaker not- is drunk right yeah. now. I know. I just started. I started taking lots of illicit pills when uh, Final yeah. Deletion w- was released, and I. And the, I g- one of the greatest things to happen to wrestling since uh, the uh, <laughs> those Dungeon of Doom se- segments for WCW, or uh, I forget what they were called. Yeah, on the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Sullivan's thing. That was so weird. I, I think that you know I mentioned this briefly last week with with Steve Kazee. There's something really wonderful about like some of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history have happened when there's only like six guys employed. Because you just because you just get a lot of time for people to just explore the deep recesses of their minds, you know. It was I I loved it, and I understand. This is the only criticism I'll accept from people about it is that if they were like, "Well, I thought it was going to be sillier than it was," because people had built it up. That's the only criticism. I won't accept that it's bad. All right, let's come I back around to this because I have so many thoughts. The first, <laughs> the the big big news of the week. Uh, again, has nothing to do with pro wrestling or nothing direct. It is yeah. Brock Lesnar won his big fight against Mark Hunt at UFC 200. I was I was on the edge of my seat rooting for Lesnar. It was really fun to watch, um, but it's we like as much as I love these crossovers, and it's going to be even worse when Punk fights in a couple of months. But oh, like really, it's yeah. it's hard. It's like watching your buddy fight. It's like it's like you really want him to do well, and I can't watch the actual match. I have to like watch it through like you know the reflection on somebody's pint glass because yeah. I'm worried that I'm about to see Brock Lesnar just get knocked out. I well, I don't have the same like CM Punk. I'm going to be actually. I was a huge CM Punk fan. I, I still am, but I'm going to actually be nervous for his health during that match. It's it, that and is a different thing. Lesnar's yeah. like an ox, you know. So I'm like, there's no way this guy's going to kill Lesnar. You know? Yeah, I mean, and I think with, with even if he lost, I think with Punk, obviously he's been training at a real gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rogan was Joe Rogan was on Bill Simmons's wonderful TV show Any Given Wednesday last week to talk about 200, and made the point that like he didn't say this directly, but for all the doubters uh, that like he's in a really good camp, you know, he's like he's tra- he's training really hard, he's training like a pro fighter, and and he didn't say this. My takeaway was it's sort of like. Like when a like a fifty year old actor goes from like schlubby to washboard abs for a movie right. role, it's like no human like that seems like something a human being is, is cannot do right. It seems completely unattainable. But if that's your your only goal in life and you have the most expensive trainers around you, you have the best dietitian, the best like you know the best guy making you run up run up, run up and down stairs in the park, like it's possible. It's possible, but you have to have. And I know, and I know nothing about MMA. So uh, let me let me preface this. But it seems like in any field that everyone wants to be in, you have to have an intrinsic amount of talent. You know, even before. Oh yeah. So you know what I mean? That's like saying like, like you know, with the with the right trainers, I could be an NBA star. It's just not going to happen. Well, you, there's a height issue. Yeah, there's a height issue. But okay. But, but, first off, but everyone knows is, I'm the best point guard in comedy. You're going to be really offended by this, probably. But like. 
just a random person from like the ringer office right with the best writers and like a lot of really hard practice could be a comedian that that would like reach the top 15%. I don't know. I'm not saying the best comedian. I'm saying like they could get a TV show or like they could get like they could yeah, get out there. Yeah, but that's different. But no, I I I maybe it depends on what they would look like. It's it's like a there's a whole different thing, you know. Okay, I don't think I don't think it's a, a, a certainty. I just think that like with the best people around you, you have a puncher's chance. You have a, sure you have a more than if, more and, than if you just decide. And I hate talking about comedy, but like there are certain things as a comic that you can't learn, you know. Okay. Like, and, and I think and, that's I think that's true of fighting too. I just think right. that like when you put yourself in the position to do like you know if you put yourself in the best possible position, then maybe. Like just maybe it's bet it's like you're you're way above, like no possible way. That's a, okay. that, that's it. Yes. Anyway, yes. this is a long weird digression about nothing. The uh, but Brock Lesnar was out there fighting on Saturday, and I mean it was hard for me to watch because I really thought Mark Hunt was just at some point he he seemed so passive. At some point I was just like I just convinced myself he was waiting just to try to get an uppercut in when Brock went to take him down, but. It never happened. Yeah, there was a point when Lesnar had him on the ground, was just beating his head in, like literally just beating his head in. That I'm like, this guy's not passing out. This could ha- he could just do this for another hour. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it's the there's this weird thing, and and you and UFC has dealt with it in a, in a lot of different ways. I don't know that it needs to be dealt with, but we're like. When a wrestler fig- when when someone who comes from a wrestling background figures out mm-hmm. that they can take their opponent down at will, they sometimes just get. I mean, that that's that's enough for them. Yeah, like Brock Lesnar won the first round so convincingly that all yeah. he had to do was not get knocked out for the rest of the fight. Right. right. I mean, that, yeah. And and, and Lesnar is so a much more active good. is much more active than a lot of wrestlers. You know, some wrestlers are happy to, or like happy to take the guy down and wait for the ref to make him stand up and then do it again. You know, and Lesnar yeah, well, was like Lesnar was trying to punch him. Yes, Lesnar was trying to punch him in the face until he knocked out. I mean, he knocked him out. I think there's a point where you're like no longer willing to break your hand if it seems like the guy's not going out easily. You know? Uh, yeah, I agree. And that's what, and I actually said that right before the match started. I was watching with uh, my buddy Andrew Goodman, and, and I think I just turned to him and I was just like, I don't know why this hasn't occurred to me. The worst thing that could happen is not Brock Lesnar getting knocked out. It's Brock Lesnar like breaking his hand trying to block a punch and then just not being able to go. You know, yeah. like just some like minor injury that's just on the. Like we can't like really you probably shouldn't wrestle level you know it's like yeah. you're not you're not but um but, but the, you know I I watching the fight I'm like Dana White's so smart he's like he literally picked the best matchup for Lesnar that's what I said at the beginning I said it was the closest to like a pushover he could get and then everybody talked me out of it and I and I think there's a lot I mean Mark Hunt's looked great lately and he's a real he's a legit fighter but I think that. I, oh, I'm not saying he's not a legit fighter. I'm just saying a a the best matchup for mm-hmm. him because as long as he didn't get hit, like there was no other, there was nothing else Mark Hunt was going to be able to do. Yeah, like I, once Lesnar, you know, took him down. Well, I think, and I think not getting, I think you're right. Not getting hit was not a given, mm-hmm. and uh, and that that was the craziest thing about the match. It wasn't that Brock won. It was that Brock is what 38 or whatever and looked yeah. like he was and looked exactly the same as when he left. I mean, looked yeah. like he was in looked his better. Looked yeah. better. Yeah. Well, certainly than right before he left. Yeah. But like looked the same as, you know, his heyday. Um guy's a freak. He's a freak. I mean, that's just it. He can he physically just the just the the little like like fast twitch muscle action just seemed like crazy. Like he was just doing exactly what he wanted to do and and didn't seem weighed down by it now i wrote about brock last last week and and you know it was uh, i guess the thesis of the piece was that he's kept himself vital he's kept himself he's, he's made himself matter by never by never doing a thing for too long and this is if he gets into a rhythm of just doing ufc's and wwe shows sort of like back and forth yeah i think that's sort of a win for everybody you I, know i mean i think so i this is a side note i was watching the uh pay-per-view in Houston with this comic, Sammy, he's a Houston comic. And there was a point, like, after Lesnar won, when, uh, how nervous were you? And we were talking about it there, where he, this this other comic made the point, like, when Lesnar grabbed the uh, microphone and was like, uh, and, you know, as a white boy for a minute, you're oh like, oh, my no. Gosh. And luckily it turned out the best way it could have, like, yeah. where he's just like, oh, my nationalities. You're like, 
Woof. Okay, thank God. Cheryl was like, is he about to You're get right. banned from both? That could have been worse than a broken hand. I mean, that could have <laughs> been, like, been the worst. it is possible that he could have said something that would have that would have made WWE go out of business, and he wasn't even <laughs> on the WWE show. <laughs> well, yeah, it was like when he did that interview on the network, and he said, uh... <laughs> He said, "He said, you know, you got to feed the Jew." And you're <laughs> like, "What the? No, you don't. You, well, you, you don't. You don't yeah. have to say that." I don't mean to elements. demean anybody's uh, demean anybody's experience, yeah. um, uh, except except wrestling fans. I try to demean you all the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I think that the the big takeaway from UFC 200 is that uh, we can all be thankful that Brock is every bit the monster that we hoped he would be and that now we just have to worry about the next time that he leaves. You know? Yeah. I mean, he gave an interview the other day and he's like, well, my next month is booked up. Like, that's all I'll say, you know? And like he, and I, I mean, I said that it would be a win-win if he, uh, if he kept fighting. I mean, part of that is implicit that he implicit in that is that he, I don't think he has to keep winning every match, but just kind of like at this point he's, I don't think, yeah, as long as he kind of stays around 500. Well, now I think even if he loses the next one, then that's a good yeah. storyline for WB because then he comes back and then he loses to like right. a Kevin Owens or something like that. Yeah. And then, then the story is him getting built up. You yes, know? I agree. I think that it's fine. He doesn't have to win every match. I think it's just as long as he stay, as long as it's not this drama of his whether or not his avail, whether or not he's available for the show they want. You know? Yeah. If there's something where it's just like, oh, yeah, well, He's agreed to he's a, he's going to do WrestleMania, but he's agreed to do a UFC show two weeks later. So, like, how's that going to affect how he works at WrestleMania? Right. Oh, he's not showing up for media day. Like, I love the the my favorite thing about the draft. Like I keep saying, is the outside of the ring storylines that, that that could be brought into it. But yeah, you know, I'm not. Uh, uh, Does uh, Lesnar get drafted? Really? I mean, it's funny. JBL talked about that. What did he say? The the the, the craziest thing about Raw. To me, and man, I'm all in on it. Was was the announced team acting like this was a real draft and just trying to bring in every aspect of yeah. like like you know NBA draft talk? You know, they were. I mean, they're basically like just a desk full of like woges over there. I mean, it was really really weird. Um, but yeah, JBL was like, I think it was JBL at some point was just like, but do you even draft Lesnar? I mean, do you take do you take Lesnar number one or do you take? I forgot who was in the ring. Or you take, like, uh, Apollo Crews, knowing that he's going to be there night in and night out, like, working yeah. really hard in long matches. And, like, it was just like, oh, wow, this is – you're kind of shooting on Brock Lesnar right now. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, after after uh, Dean Ambrose at our – before, after Dean Ambrose basically did the same thing that night. Dean Ambrose is going to be the only WWE champion in history to go fifth. Yeah, Dean, <laughs> Dean Ambrose could be an undrafted free agent. And, uh, um, but, yeah, I mean – Let's backtrack to Brock really quickly. The so we know Brock is fighting Randy Orton at SummerSlam. Yeah. The, the the rumor leaked last week, and then WWE formally announced it. They announced it on Raw this week. I also, mean, they, just a side. I'm sorry. Just a side note. Was it wasn't it so weird to see like Brock hold the Canadian flag and stuff? Did you see that at UFC? There's like a bunch of pictures. I don't know if they did there, but I, I guess it was on WrestleZone's website. But he was like holding. The Canadian, because he's guess I guess he lives in Canada right now, right? Does he? Is that where he's training? I don't I'm know. totally oblivious to this. That would be great if uh, if if he just came out as like the Canada loving dude. <laughs> yeah, it would be so in a character. Um, after, wait, I, mean, I don't know because w- didn't he buy like a bunch of land in Canada? That's like oh yeah, the first time now? he got diverticulitis or whatever, he was in Canada. Yeah, and came out and talked about how they had this third world healthcare system because he almost because it almost he almost died. Yeah, in he, Canada, like, he, I th- I'm or... pretty sure that was the yeah. I mean, he he like was at, he was like sort of political about like uh, I mean about American healthcare for a while because of this. Oh, he hated American healthcare. No, he I mean he prefers he American he prefers American. The free yeah, market course, stuff. Best money you can best best healthcare. And speaking of the free market, the rumor I mean the the word came out that he got um, that he got two point five million dollars. To fight like his guarantee was two point five million dollars for UFC, to me. It and that's like still that's roughly deal. his annual contract with WWE. Now everything is not UFC two hundred. I'm sure a lot of the, I mean, there was a lot of money of bonuses. The fact that he got bumped up to the main event or semi main event, he probably got way more than that, right? Well, because that wasn't included in the pay per view buys, I don't think. right? Which WWE uh, that's never been resolved with WWE. One of the weirdest question marks. That like they used to give their guys these huge pay per view bonuses. Still, they have to give them bonuses at WrestleMania or something, right? 
I'm sure they still do give them a little bit of something based on pay-per-view buys, but there's no pay-per-view buys anymore. What I would love to know... Oh, no, no. Yes, there are WrestleMania bonuses built into contracts and stuff, sure. Because it's free contracts, I would love to know... I know they arrange their own travel, but do they pay for their own travel or hotels? Like, I've heard it both ways. And uh, Because then when you see, like... Because when that happens and you see, like, oh, a wrestler makes $400,000 a year, well, that's not a lot of money if you're also paying... Like for your hotel, and WWE for your covers a lot of it now, but it's it it's still a very it's still very murky to me too. Or they handle a lot of the stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of like group situations. You know, I mean, like when they're That's all when I mean. they're all staying at the same yeah. backstage. That that could have been anything. Different website. When, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, obviously when they're all staying in the same hotel for WrestleMania, they're Again, not. They're, they, it's not like oh, like Keith Slater forgot to make his reservation, so he's at the Holiday Inn down the road. Like, WWE's got that handled, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah. Anyway, uh, Randy Orton versus Brock Lesnar. Yeah. SummerSlam. They were kind of for- – their hand was sort of forced, WWE, to make this match because they didn't know if Lesnar was going to win or lose. And and Orton is the sort of – he's the he is the blank slate. Like, you can, you can make it into a Clash of the Champions – do credit to the NWA and WCW. You, but you could also make it into just whatever. You could make it into a Brock Lesnar squash match. Yeah, you know. And I and without knowing, I think with like having they had to book SummerSlam. They didn't know if they were booking Brock, the most dominant athlete in the world, or Brock coming off, you know, a thirty second knockout to Mark Hunt. So it's just like Lesnar. I mean, uh, Orton is a safe opponent. Also, we've seen Orton versus Lesnar on SmackDown on SmackDown like yeah. ten years ago, but we haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, it, it was one of the last one of the last big name versus big name fights for Lesnar of the of that of his own generation. My my my, yeah, I, you know, like it almost seems like when I saw them against each other, I'm like, this could like be one of those things. Like I'm not unexcited, but I was excited in the beginning, but then I think about it more, and I'm like. This could headline an independent show outside WWE and have the <laughs> same build. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't mean as far as a marquee draw, but I'm saying like it's almost like the Ambrose storyline, and I thought they shit the bed with the actual match at WrestleMania, but the Ambrose Lesnar storyline I actually thought was pretty good. Yeah. And interesting. Agreed. And the build was cool and it made and it, it it was important, you know. Um and almost every Lesnar fight that he's had has seemed important and necessary. And this one just seems kind of like more thrown together, like. Well, it certainly was thrown together. Yeah. I mean, it is. It it's the, it's the Anderson Silva Cormier. Or yeah, well, it's it's it's, it's actually Cormier. like every UFC fight. I mean, that's a. I mean, yeah. sometimes they have longer leads, but that was the sort of interesting thing to me is that they did it in the way in a, in the style of like real sports. It wasn't like Orton came in and like you know hit Brock's mom with a chair and then that started yeah. the feud. This was like, hey, these two athletes are going to fight at this big show. Like yeah, now, now, I, I now just, let's figure I out the storyline. I hope that like they don't do a thing where Heyman turns on him yet. Like not for this guy. I really, I mean, fantasy booking. I would love it if Heyman hooked up with a good talker again, like a Kevin Owens, because he was he's so good. With CM with, like, Punk, it was really good. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Heyman is like an amazing manager, but he actually doesn't elevate someone. So that's like a weird thing. He's his great pre- with someone presence- who's already great. He's yeah, not, and his not, pre- his presence elevates it a little. I mean, like it it opens the door a little bit. But you're right. I tell mean, like we saw Cesaro or Ryback or Cesaro. Yeah. Though, you know, they've kind of like. Uh, yeah. No, no. I guess I guess that you're you're actually right about that. I think that, and 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 just as far as the talking goes, like I think Heyman's the best talker in the company, and 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 probably will always be. But it does help if he has someone to play off of. Yes. You know? Because because the it's a little bit like Bray Wyatt. It's a little bit like. You know what? I mean, it's just like a really great singer or something like that. It's like everybody loves a duet more. You what know, is you Beyonce get... with that Kelly Rowland. <laughs> that's exactly the that's exactly the <laughs> parallel I was looking for. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm like, I think Orton versus Lesnar. I mean, listen, we don't really know. I mean, some of these Lesnar matches just are like like the Ambrose match you were talking about. Just like it, it's a kind of a glorified squashed match, you know? I mean, like, how I don't know what the how many minutes well, long that I mean, match was. They but they shit it, the bed with that match so hardcore. They could have made a much bigger star out of Dean Ambrose if they just did yeah, the Austin or, Bret Hart thing. Exactly. Just let, him, just let him get the crab beat out of him and not give up a few times instead yeah. of, you know? I mean, and also just the relentless wave of teases with all the weapons they weren't going to use anyway, you yeah. know? I mean, it was just crazy. Like, you couldn't I'm, gimmick a... You look back at that WrestleMania, and it really... It was, I mean, I think because 30 and 31 were so good, but that WrestleMania sucked. Not to, 
Not yeah, to, like not to like. Sh- I don't want to be one of those trolls, but it was... I always, I always say this. I mean, I come back around to this point, but like, it sounds so dumb. But you know, within the context of a match, within a storyline, and within a card, you as a fan need to have some frame of reference for like the shape of this thing. Yeah, so that you can one like respond appropriately, but two, so that you can be surprised when the surprises when when it, when it breaks the norm, right? Yeah. And there were part that the whole last hour of that show, I was of WrestleMania, I was so just sort of afloat, like adrift. Like I didn't know it kept dragging and dragging. They kept adding all like more and more segments. and it ended, you know, forty five minutes late or whatever. I like I didn't I was so confused. By the, by just the shape of the show that I really don't feel like I had. Fifteen minutes was the Rock just figuring out how to work that flamethrower. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it just seemed it just seemed so like I I just didn't have any context for like loving it at, even if I were even if I were inclined to love it. And that that NXT show the night before was so good that I think that that also got. Yeah, we're gonna just be saying that over and over again for the next few years, though. And it doesn't tonight, matter. Tonight they're having a dream match on the network. Nakamura literally, literally tonight as Dan Finn and I are Baylor. talking. Yeah, yeah. Nakamura Valor. Yeah, it, it, it's it's. I think it's tonight. Um, it's it's whatever. It, I think it's tonight. But. Oh, dude, a guy that I know, yeah. uh, our mutual friend showed us this. Um, was just walking down the street in Manhattan the other day and looks over and this this uh, convertible pulls up with a random dude driving and Finn Balor sitting in the passenger seat. Oh, that's awesome. And the dude just perfectly timed, ran over, did the wolf pack sign with him on the curb, and Finn Balor was like grinning ear to ear. He thought it was the greatest thing ever. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. He's still at the stage of uh, being cool I about think that, stuff. I think that, yeah, the last, I mean, I'm sure that he's a great guy. When I've met him, he seemed normal, but that, you know, that's not real life or whatever. But like, yeah. I mean, the last stage must be like getting still getting recognized in, in New York City. You know, it's like you, yeah. you think that you're sort of never going to be. I mean, there's a lot of people there, but still that someone's going to run up to a car in New York. Like there's so many other famous people around. Well, I think in New York, and too, there's this weird dignity with uh, New York where, um, you know, in L.A., they're kind of used to it. And, Paparazzi. Uh, and stuff yeah. Like that. In New York, it's not the same thing. New York, you almost, you know, nobody gives a sh- Nobody cares. Yeah, and everybody's too York, cool. New York, sometimes people are like, they go out of their way not to. Yeah, you know that's what people. That's what people you. usually did it with me. You know, I feel yeah, like there are, there are a lot of mask man fans. Posen, I've been out with you in L.A. Swamped. Yeah, well, it's crazy. It's hard to drive with all the paparazzi around. Just yeah, exactly. all, the, all those like like dirt sheet paparazzi was, just everywhere. A lot of yeah. It was it's 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 really next level with you. It's crazy. Um. So yeah. So so the SummerSlam SummerSlam is sort of coming into focus a little bit. I mean, I hope I get to this... go this year. Yeah, we'll go. I'd love to if I'm. Hopefully, we'll get the, I, we'll get the, the I have cheap off. seats. Can you get me in the back? Yeah, <laughs> the back meaning the back row, not yeah. like not back. You're backstage. the Diane Sawyer of wrestling, right? You're yeah, the I've, I've often been tough referred interview. to as such. <laughs> um, well, okay, so we so SummerSlam sort of coming into focus. We have Battleground in the not too distant future. I don't know that any of this really matters. What is? The, why are they booking Battleground after the draft? They're doing the draft next week, and then Battleground's next Sunday. What yeah. it, doesn't Battleground not mean shit then? Like as soon as they draft everybody to ever, and then they have this card. I think that the like, I, I think my guess, and this is not based on anything. My guess is that they'll do, that they're doing the draft. That the draft is unmoored from any sort of normal timeline because this is when yeah. they decide because SmackDown is going live, and this was a decision that was made on a, in a different department by USA executives. But whatever. then why didn't they do Battleground this weekend? That's because Roman Reigns got suspended. No, that's not true. I think the Battleground was already on the calendar, has been on the calendar for a while. I don't know if that, I don't know. I th- those two things just might have come, just might have ran, run into each other in, in a weird way. It certainly seems like they're booking the brand split on the fly. Yeah. Like there's like, there it seems like there's two separate, there's two separate creative or like, what? yeah, I guess creative in a broad sense decisions being made with Battleground on one side and the brand split on the other. We can talk about these two things really quickly. I don't think my guess is that they're going to do this brand split and then find a way to sort of dot 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 it until after SummerSlam. Like SummerSlam will be they'll do Battleground and then they'll say SummerSlam is the last joint pay-per-view and then after that we'll be going to the two a month or something like that. This is a nightmare. Uh, they're going to do joint they're going to do why don't they just do one pay-per-view a month? This is like going to be crazy. I don't know if this has even been decided. I keep talking about it as if it's a fact, but like it, it would be nuts. Um, it, it, and whatever. But but I but my but that's that's my guess is that they'll that that they are doing it now just because it's the arbitrary date that the USA Network spent. I mean, decided, and then the ramifications will just like slowly 
ramp up until SummerSlam. It's so weird to see Raw like promote <clears throat> Mr. Robot or something because it's such a genuinely like highbrow show, you know? Yeah. Compared to like Burn Notice made sense. Also a good show, but like suits, like when WWE brought up suits or, uh, or uh, Royal Pains, you're like, yeah, this is the same world, you know? But now, or yeah, well, that was all, that was all that WWE. I mean, that USA had at that point. Yeah, now they're starting to like go the FX route. Um, I think that the USA, it'd be, uh, the uh, Mr. Robot ratings are like getting in raw territory. Really? Yeah, which is a very interesting phenomenon. But uh, because that because that was like WWE's like you know that what made them the USA staple that they've been for so long is that they were just the ratings anchor. Are they going to have a crossover? Mr. Robot. As someone as as a casual Mr. Robot fan, I hope to God not. <laughs> what? But I, I think that it would be awkward to see the, the 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 characters of Mr. Robot. I went to school with Rami. Really? Yeah, he's a good dude. Um, really tiny, right? He's a smaller guy. Could he compete in the in he the cruiserweight read, classic? He was the star of a play I wrote. Really? Yeah, he was like did the reading. Well, I mean, like a reading. It wasn't like a full up, but. He's incredible. Uh, you should hit him up, man. You might actually get your big break finally here. <laughs> no, oh God, I'm looking. Fingers crossed. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I mean, he he's really good. I really I really enjoy that show. But I but like the universes don't quite mesh unless this is a good segue. I could see a crossover between Mister Robot and the world that the Wyatts and uh, and the New Day brawl from Monday Night inhabited. Um. Yeah. I have such mixed feelings about that. So we talked about this. I, I did not discuss Final Deletion last week uh, to the consternation of everyone that listened yeah. to the show. It came. It hit. We recorded a little bit early last week. Um, I did on Saturday night. Just my one tweet of the night was, "What was better, that Lesnar match or Final Deletion?" And got I like. I understand. You got like a thousand responses. Yeah, I understand why people troll on Twitter now. I mean, it's like you, you all you have to do is just ask one dumb question. I mean, and and like and I, I think it's a really funny. The answer conversation is final have. deletion. The answer was, I don't think anybody said Brock Lesnar. I think the like uh, half the people said final deletion, and the pro and the the pro Lesnar people were just like fuck you for asking that question. <laughs> you know, like why would you demean the one like a real fight by comparing it to the worst thing in wrestling? You know, the, for, first off, it's not the everybody bitches about like I'm so sick of this. Everybody bitches about you, you, you know, WWE being boring. Yeah, and like the same thing, and then. Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy, basically, you know, they deliver us, you know, the room of wrestling, right? That's what everyone's saying. Oh, yeah. And 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 then and then people were like bitching about that. And it's like, so how much fun did you have watching the final deletion as a as a as a writer, uh, an actor, everything? Are you a filmmaker? <laughs> oh, me? Yeah. Um, have you ever made an amateur film? I have. Uh, made some, I like, mean, I, I've written a lot of shorts and stuff. I mean, my I'm a guy who's usually directing this guy named Adam Wirtz, who's incredible. And you know, when I did an animated one for Comedy Central, was Dan Powell, who show runs Amy Schumer's show. Now I'm just dropping names, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I had saying it, but I, I I would never be able to say I'm a director. My, or my only note for this, and I'm not, and I don't think that it was right. But if I was if I was part of the TNA executive yeah. production committee, which is probably just like a room full of like. Like pillows with hats on them. It's, it's Billy Corgan and pillows. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, at the very end of the first scene, when when Matt was making dinner, yeah, or having dinner with sitting, whatever he opens the present, he looks at the camera and gives a gives a, a cartoony villain laugh that makes it clear that he's in on the joke. And that was yeah. the of the entire thing. That might have been the only moment where it took me out of the room. Like, but you the mean, joke like in is so weird too. The joke, is, but you're right. So I'm not sure that I'm right. But the, but like, if if that had if that moment hadn't been there, the conversation we'd be having right now is like, Matt Hardy might be the stupidest person to ever get this sort of creative control over anything, right? <laughs> but now, but but because of that laugh, so maybe it's a great move. But like because of that laugh, it's like, it, like you give it all the credit that it could possibly get. I mean, just the. Oh, look, a dilapidated boat is the greatest line in wrestling history. When Matt Hardy says, a dilapidated boat, and then he oh, runs yeah. behind it, and Jeff Hardy's shooting fireworks at him. It's amazing. how, And, like, every single line from that has just already become an, an internet meme. Like, there's, I mean, any, yeah. like, it was crazy. Now, I'm not entirely sure Jeff Hardy was in on the joke. Jeff, well, Jeff, yeah, Jeff Hardy, it was just a, it was just a, 
fever dream for him. Yeah, that, it felt that was like, like a, a dream Jeff Hardy had during his painkiller phase. Yes, <laughs> that that could be a regular day for Jeff Hardy. Yeah. Like like his experience, it was not that much. His experience of a normal day is not that much different than Final Deletion. It's I, you know what you know what's so cool about it too is that now no one will ever compare Matt Hardy to Marty Jannetty again. There's yeah. no way now now he's elevated himself to a new level. Broken Matt Hardy, what a. <laughs> What a weird did, thing to get over. He did this he great. He had a great run in Ring of Honor as the kind of X Pac Heat champion. Like he yeah. was, he like he was just nobody wanted him there, and he just, I mean, he he was the top heel there for a while because he played it up. Like it was great. Well, it's like when everyone in TNA said they were having like money problems. Yeah, like, and then he just Instagrammed a photo of all his checks from TNA and being like, "I'm not having a problem." You're like, "This is the most heelish thing." To do in this situation, but that's also great. so great. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really, it's the the Hardy Renaissance is has been really incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I had so much fun watching it. Um, everything about it, it was so fun. Bad, you know, it's fun. Bad. The que- I mean, I think that the problem that people have, and and I can sympathize with it somewhat, is is just how this relates to what happens on in the ring, right? Like, yeah. Let's let's uh, the, the, we brought this up deliberately. We we have to talk up. We have to talk about it in comparison to the Wyatt's New Day sketch because, yeah. man, I don't know if that was a direct response to Final Deletion, but I don't see how it couldn't be. I'm sure the people at WWE were like, we you know like we first off like we've had this Wyatt compound forever, you know like. And even though the even though Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy share the same property, it was, that's what I hear that they live on the same property, sure. which is crazy. Which is a could be a lot a, of property. I know, but it's still crazy. It's still crazy that there's somewhere there's a Hardy. Compound. By the way, I like the, just the subtle the aside that like that's that is how Jeff Hardy cuts his lawn. <laughs> I mean, there's no that doesn't make sense if that's not really how he yeah. does it. Like, I, I looked at that and I'm like, is this the new tattoo Randy Orton's getting? It's, it's like Jeff Hardy's crazy tattoos. Yeah. It's like this is just like Jeff Hardy from, and I love the guy. Like, I wish he would come back to WWE for a run. Like, whatever. Probably, will. but like his creative process is like you know a 15 year old drawing in the margins of a spiral notebook yeah you know i mean that's i would a, say 12 year old but yeah that's, yeah i that's mean generous. just the idea of like let's shoot fireworks and act like they're weapons is <laughs> is an idea that but like here's my question like or here's my problem i should say it's like everyone thought about how crazy that is that is so much less crazy than bray wyatt taking a pickaxe and trying to kill xavier woods all right like it was a horror movie that's like so. That's like when Pillman pulls the gun on Stone Cold. That is so jumping the another shark. Another great. That's another great example of when WWE's roster was so thin that great things happen. Great things happen. I mean, one of the. I mean, it's a. It's that's a scene that should have never been filmed. They were just like trying to fill. It's like how much can we make a whole episode about this thing happening at somebody's house? One of those guys shouldn't have even been on TV. He's on the disabled list. Yeah. You know I mean, like it was. It was crazy. Or both of those guys. Were both of those guys hurt at the time? I don't think Stone Cold was yet, because I don't think that Owen Hart match happened yet. But, was it Stone Cold uh, sitting there with a cast on his leg or something? No, that was Brian Pillman with a cast on his leg. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. And he was the one, Brian, Killen, Brian Pillman was holding the gun, and then it went, and then the camera went uh, to, you know, fuzz snow. Yeah, so anyway, it was, a, it was like, what a, that, that, but that was a good example of what, these weird moments in pro wrestling. Now, WWE's roster, as they head towards the draft, is kind of bloated, but they're, Still's taking time to make these great short films. The one thing, and the best, the best upper mid card in history with the uh, with emphasis on the mid. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I would say for the roster right now. So the first thing I thought when the Wyatt when the Wyatt New Day thing started happening before it devolved into its full final deletion esque glory was, yeah. um, I wish they had started it out. This is such a, a weird concern, and maybe it goes against everything I've said in the past. I wish they'd started out as if it was being filmed by the WWE camera crew, and then you know, just like like almost like you know, the cameras, the camera guys like running up to the scene, like oh, these yeah. like our our guys are gonna fight. We better get this. Almost like Paranormal Activity. Or yeah, something. and then have it like somehow like segue into a feature film. Yeah. You know, this but like the style was so different, and I think that that going back to Final Deletion is is the is the concern here. It's like what whether it's the high com or the the screwball comedy of Final Deletion or the horror movie, like we're really trying to murder each other aspect of yeah. the 
of the WWE one, the way and that's and all of that setting aside the film quality for both, or just the tone of both is, is wildly different. Like, yeah. how does this relate to what goes on? Well, here's the thing that's even weirder about it. It's like now they like now this is setting up for a match at Battleground, right? Where they're just gonna have a normal wrestling match after they just try to kill each other with weapons. It seems like you're kind of you know, like the stakes are lowering now for the for the network event or you know, like why would they it almost feels like it should have been switched, you know, like this should have been on the pay per view. I guess maybe they're setting up Woods to becoming part of the Wyatt family or something like that. Yeah. I mean they also I mean the other or thing Kofi. about the draft is they keep teasing breakups split ups of all these crews, right? I mean yeah. so I mean maybe that this is a it's a I mean maybe this is we're looking towards so you know so both of these crews miss losing dropping a member or kind of going their separate ways. I mean I think Kofi would be the most interesting person to join the Wyatts because they need somebody who moves around like that and also everyone's expecting it's going to be Woods. They already have a good talker at the Wyatts, so why would you draft another really good talker? I mean I think there? more I would just think of it as like a major league baseball trade. Just go one for one, you know. Oh, bring Eric Rowan in a new day. Yeah. Uh I just think that there's, I just, I mean, that that obviously would peter out. I think that, I, I think I, I might have said this in the show last week, but I, I, I would love to see, I mean, th I don't think that you can really swap them. I think that for the storyline terms, I mean, in, in ter like for the for the rest of the storyline, you can mm. play around with that. But for the future, I would love to see Bray Wyatt on his own, be it on Raw or SmackDown, and have the, the rest of the guys keep the Wyatt family going with like Luke Harper as the new you yeah. know, talker, the new main guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, they never did anything um, with the Wyatts as far as making them a real threat for WWE. Like, I always thought it would have been really cool is if they put the title on Wyatt and they set the title on fire in the middle of the ring. Like, hey, these are all meaningless, you know? Yeah. But instead, they just built him up to lose to whatever top guy that was already a top guy. Unfortunately, yeah. The more likely thing for them to do would be to put the title on him and have him set it on fire and then become two titles, and that's how they do the brand split. You know? It's like <laughs> somehow Bray Wyatt created a second championship titles, belt. Yeah. and then he owns yeah um yeah that i i, I agree They're, they've never quite done it they haven't quite gotten them right and maybe this is the opportunity i mean i we let's we can go ahead and talk about the the brand split and because the, the draft mm. is next week i'm i think i'm gonna do a sh i'm gonna write a piece definitely next week uh for monday or, or tuesday morning uh, where i do my own little draft yeah um and then there, and then I might do a podcast earlier in the week too, just to to go to to discuss some of the stuff. But but because the draft is becoming at least, I mean, WWE is treating this draft like a real thing, right? Um, they're they're, I mean, the the PR push is real. the The way they've talked about it on Monday certainly uh, made it seem like a real thing. They did a they did a. Um, uh, fantasy draft on WWE.com, which basically where yeah, I you, saw that. where you just pick Raw or SmackDown for I don't everybody. I understand how that works. Yeah, it, it's not like it's do not you play a, it with other people, huh? Do you do the draft with other people? No, it just looks like you just make your rosters. So you just pick like the top five picks. Like, oh, I, John you didn't Cena, need a website styles. for this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do on Raw. The big moment was, I mean, the the main event spot was Vince coming out to announce that Shane was. The, the new showrunner of SmackDown. God, Vince looks so weird now. Every with the, time I see with him. the kind of like the light brown hair eyes and yeah. yeah, something weird's going on there. Yeah, I love the I love the like Shane with gray hair and Vince with like fake brown hair look. Like it's a <laughs> it's a it's a wonderful look. The but the um, so I you know the the one the thing that they're clearly trying to do is make make the audience. Trick the audience into thinking that SmackDown is more important than Raw, while yeah, while not be. while not limiting the importance of Raw. You know, there was a there was a segment a few weeks ago where where Stephanie and Shane were kind of trying to trick each other into letting the other one be the in charge of SmackDown. Like they both desperately right. wanted SmackDown, and I guess if the idea was that you they got to keep sharing Raw, but then only one of them would get SmackDown. If that was the idea, which they sort of alluded to, then they didn't do a good job of conveying it. But Shane is running SmackDown. Which I think is the right move because yeah. SmackDown is is has always been the sort of smarkier of the two shows, right? It's like well, the pure, yeah, pure wrestling. The last, I mean, like ten years ago, it was you know not really. Anymore. Yeah, I mean that's the legacy of SmackDown, yeah. I'll say. And and as far as just differentiating the brands, 
Like I would, I think it makes more sense for Shane to be running SmackDown and just to go all in on you know things that will make people like you and me happy. Um, yeah, Paul. You know, I think that the most important thing with this draft is, um, you know, like Paul Heyman. He always talks about the four people that he wanted more than anything else were Eddie Guerrero, uh, Edge, um, Chris Benoit. Rest in peace. I'm just joking. Chris Benoit <laughs> uh, and. Uh, and then I forget who the fourth guy, Kurt Angle, I think. Like, those are his, like, and, and then by drafting those, by putting emphasis on those four guys, it, like, it had its own identity. So I hope they don't just go, like, like all right, well, Cena on one, Roman Reigns on the other, because those are the two cop guys, and that's how it should go. I hope that they draft in terms of who complements one another, and it's not just, like, who are the biggest stars, and it goes in order of biggest back and forth, because I don't think that helps anybody. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's exactly the right move. I mean, I think that like, um, I mean, who do you th- who do you think the top two picks are? Like, if you wanted to define I mean, your, it brand. depends. Lesnar is Lesnar in it? Let's him? just say Lesnar's not in it. Okay, because because that is. I mean, seriously. Like, I think if you're if you're picking Lesnar, uh, I mean, it's Cena's going to be number two, and it's either going to be Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins is number one. Not Dean Ambrose. No, I don't think. I think. Do you D- think that they give Dean it Ambrose to, goes? I think Dean Ambrose goes like third. But do you fourth. think? Okay, but okay. So functionally, though, for real next week, do they give it to Ambrose because he's the champion? What I think happens next week is because the draft's on Tuesday, right? Yeah, and Rollins this and is Ambrose a are bold fighting. prediction is that Rollins picks up the title Monday and then goes number one in the draft Tuesday. Wait, wouldn't it make more sense for them to go to a no decision or something and some and they're the res- then they become the respective champions of each show? I don't think that that's how that's going to because then you lose you can have a whole pay-per-view where it's a tournament for the SmackDown title or whatever. So I, I don't know why you would do that. I love how you're trying to argue logic with me. I'm, I'm trying to understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going lowest common denominator here. I completely lost any sense of humor. Um, debatably way before this, but um, so yeah, I think that you're right. I mean, I think that it's. I think that, to me, that this is the interesting thing that they're either gonna that Cena is either Cena either stays on Raw or goes to Raw, whatever. Yeah. And we have this this kind of clear delineation between Raw is Disneyland and SmackDown is you know is uh, Ring of Honor. Right. You know, I mean, like that. That's the sort of like it's it's wrestling and like a little grittier on the on the SmackDown side, and that Raw is just like a hundred percent for the kids i think that that's that would be cool so or you or cena goes to smackdown yeah and it's sort of like the the john cena u.s open challenge is now like the like i mean i still think smackdown is going to be the more wrestling heavy show but it's like whether or not cena becomes the anchor sort of making the making smackdown matter the way that they had the rock on smackdown Mm -hmm. you know years ago um and then you know, Raw is a, is a little bit more Roman Reigns, AJ Styles, maybe Seth Rollins. To me, the real interesting thing is who's the other number one pick, like you were just saying. Whether it's Rollins, it's like it's basically like which member of the Shield goes to SmackDown is what interests me the most. I think it's going to go, you know, Seth Rollins, John Cena, and then either then probably Roman Reigns, then Dean Ambrose, but and then AJ Styles. That makes the most sense to me. Those are that's your top that's, five. That, I mean, that's how it'll go as far as how I would draft. I haven't done the hours and hours of research needed to make that decision. No, I know. You need a big team to help you do this. I need a big team, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that there's... I mean, I think that there's obviously some wild cards as far as... uh, I mean, it's it's storytelling, right? I mean, it's not... The Undertaker? See, that's a good question. So, Brock Lesnar... Brock Lesnar, uh, yeah. you know, it would be really interesting is if, like, Triple H, the wrestler, was available. Obviously, you can't draft his COO, like, yeah. job responsibilities. But, yeah. Are they setting up, you think, Triple H versus Shane or Triple H versus Seth for SummerSlam? Uh, I have no idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, Triple H versus Shane. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't need to see Shane wrestle anymore. I enjoy seeing Shane wrestle, but, like... Like they could save that. They could do one or two more, I guess. I mean, it's it's cool. He's a big. He's a name. It will get me yeah. hyped up in the moment. But it's sort of like watching, you know, watching CM Punk get punched in the face. Like, I, like I, I just don't. I don't. It's a little bit uncomfortable, you know. Um, but yeah. So I think that I think that the the, the interesting questions are the veteran, like the old timers, like the legacy guys, like the Undertaker, or even yeah. even like like Triple H. Brock Lesnar, you can kind of put in that category because his schedule is so loose. Yeah. Um, and then there's going to be then there's the, the question of like where, what they do with 
there's going to be some tag teams and also the women's division. Like how high those two things go just for the sake of storytelling. Right? Yeah. Um, By the way, like I watched that Dana Brooke-Sasha Banks match and I think Sasha got the best match out of Dana Brooke she possibly could have. Absolutely. It's so weird that like Sasha's like, I I like it too, so I don't know what it, but she's a face, but she's still working heel in the ring. Like Dana got on the side and then immediately Sasha hit her. You know, it's... Anyway, that just got really wrestling nerdy, but I think that that's actually an interesting conversation. I think that if if the, if the draft were real, I think I would take Sasha, maybe at number three or number four, as 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 high as right. I needed, no, as I high agree. as I needed to take her to get her. Because at that point, like once you get Sasha, I think that you can like you own the women's division, For right? Me, if, the, yeah. if this is if the draft were real, I get Charlotte is the champion, has been the anchor, she's much more important. But I think, but first She's of all, I want, though. I want Sasha more, but, and also I think the, is if you take, again, if the, if the draft were real, if you and yeah. I were playing draft poker right now, yeah. as soon as you go, as soon as the, if you take a, if you take one of the women really high, I think that the, the person you're drafting against probably doesn't go female wrestler for the next like 15 picks. I think that they're just sort of like out of that market and and you could like, you, yeah. you might be able to just like get, get you know, get a monopoly. What's going to be really sad are the people, because they always did a draft where, like, like some people you just find out they were drafted during, like, a SmackDown taping. Like, not announced, but Tyler oh, Breeze God. went to SmackDown. I think that the worst thing that could happen to Tyler Breeze is not being, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you've been put in a makeshift tag team within the past three months, just to like, just to make it seem like there's a bigger tag division yeah. than there is. And then you get split up ver- via the draft. That's the worst thing that could possibly happen. Well, I mean, I think that this is what proves that like Heath Slater is one of the best talents they have because he is the master of the makeshift tag team. Oh yeah. He Slater went Gator. from, yeah, Slater Gator, one man band, uh, or th- three man band or whatever the hell that was called, and now to the social outcasts. Like he somehow okay, he doesn't make them the most important, but he keeps those guys from being irrelevant. Whenever you hook up with Heath Slater, it's a good thing. Yeah, Heath Slater is the least important guy to have, and I say this as a compliment. He's the least important guy to get televised ring entrances on a regular basis. Yeah, there's just no, there's no, there's no point of comparison for that. Like every, like there's no, like with judging by the win loss record, he should be coming out during the commercial break every week, and sometimes he does, but often like on Monday right. they got a real entrance. No, he's, I mean, he's great. Speaking, I mean, they both, they all were in the battle royal to start the show. What do you think about? Darren Young earning his uh Well, first off, I want to give a shout out to the city of Detroit. Um Ooh. for the most progressive chant cuz you know they were cheering him because he was a gay dude who's been through shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they weren't like cheering well, him because of his character. I don't uh, know if I, his character has been established enough yet. I think it was like this guy's kind of been buried and uh, also he had the courage to come out as a gay wrestler and an intrinsically homophobic business. Yeah. Um, also, he follows me on Twitter. We've been trying to get him on our uh, podcast, so please, guys, Darren Young, if you listen, Wait, which podcast? Big fan. One of my three. Uh, we can get him on here too, but I'm, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm more of a friend of the show here um, than the other. No, ones. I think that's. I would love listening on your podcast. I think um, that's. Uh, yeah, I think he's 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 really really good. I mean, I think also it was just sort of like the he's getting a little bit of the. Um, oof. I I don't think I've ever. I don't think anyone's ever like given a direct term for this but it's sort of like the like the the it, the pop that the 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 really thick NXT gimmicks that come up like the Adam Rose pop yeah yeah where it's just like we are so happy for this silly thing just for a minute the fa- I guess Fandango pop is the answer Fandango pop yeah he's getting a little bit of the Fandango pop because they're just repackaging him in such a silly way that we're like that we like the ch- the child and all of the smart the smart fans are are endorsing this what I don't understand though is like you know after he came out in real life. Uh, Stephanie McMahon did a whole thing about, like, and I, maybe Darren Young even agreed with this, but Darren Young, the character, isn't gay. And I'm like, why not? Why? You know, like, that's a great storyline. Is this, like, a gay wrestler in a homophobic business? Why not use that? But I guess they're nervous. And and also, I'd be nervous, too, if I went to, like, some places in Alabama and then you see everybody boo him or something like that, you know? Not yeah. saying all Alabama is homophobic. I don't – I think that – I mean, it's an interesting world, and I don't know exactly how it plays. I mean, wrestling has a long tradition of, like, fans reacting in the – in the um, mo- in, like – 
baby the 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 PC the P, the PC reaction is the babyface reaction, right? Right, right. I mean, like fans in the deep south booed racists, you know, and cheered black guys at a time when one would when maybe that wasn't like you know the widespread feeling, right? Because you know that like there's certain like this is how a good guy acts, you know, and that's and yeah. that's not you know racism is a bad guy trait or whatever. So there is certainly that question about it. But then wrestling also has a long long tradition of you know playing up playing up uh you know gay or or sexually ambiguous characters is like for like yeah, just like he, like Chuck. yeah for like heel guffaws so uh it would be i think that i think the answer is they don't know what would happen and they yeah they're too they'd be too nervous about it yeah but i think i definitely think that there's a way to and and also it's sort of like the i guess there's some things that don't necessarily need to get in the ring you know i mean it's it's don't, se- don't say some things after we talk to the guy <laughs> Yeah. No, I just mean that like it's not it, it doesn't need to be part of the character and it, right. it can it can be true and not be part of the storyline, right? It's yeah. it's le- it's a less significant thing. Yeah. It's not the same as the, the WWE's seeming, you know, it seems like it's come down from the top that we're just not going to refer to the wellness policy and I think that's a good move that, yeah. that we can't kayfabe the wellness policy because it's a real thing that matters. Yeah. You know, but so we talk about the Roman Reigns. What's the word they keep using? The Roman Reigns uh, fiasco. The Roman Reigns. Like, oh, by the way, that Seth Rollins interview I thought was legit great. Yeah, like when he did the fake. Interview. It was my favorite Seth Rollins on like since he's been back. Me too. Me too. Um, I just they need to give him a new finisher. Jesus Christ, WWE. It's amazing how finisher. how many times a day I hear complaints about Seth Rollins' finisher. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's sort of like there's some things that we just you you can just you know like Darren Young can be gay in like interviews you know like whatever like the more and we're and you and i keep having this conversation off off the mic about the sort of like documentary side of wwe and what Mm -hmm. it means but yeah it'll be interesting but anyway darren young is our number one contender for the ic title which is great uh yeah i think that if if we don't have if there's not a few if there's not a go-to feud let's use it to elevate somebody and darren young needs title on darren young fine yeah I mean, it's not like the Miz makes it any more prestigious. Here's another thing that like no, I'm not sure. Like, this is a weird moment where like the the, the mid card titles are kind of flip flopped because like Darren Young with the U S title makes sense because he's the All American. Yeah, dude. yeah. And Zack Ryder is somehow flailing away trying to get the the U S title when like he I think he should still be trying to get the I C title back. But anyway, it I mean, matter. it's so interchangeable. Um, it's I like Rusev with the U.S. title. What if they just came like out? What if, what if what if Rusev and Miz came out this week with their with their titles flip flopped and they just never mentioned? They just never love, like explained it. They've do done think, weirder stuff. Do you think anybody would notice? I don't know. You know, it's always it would almost be like you know when they kill off a grandma without saying it on a sitcom or something. You know, nobody I don't think would notice <laughs> it. Um, I think that's probably right. But it was, uh, you know, and listen, shout out to Bob Backlund for looking better than me and being 50 years older than me or however old he is. Yeah. Is is he, how old is that guy, 70 now? No, I think he's probably in his 60s. Jesus Christ, that guy looks good. He looks exactly the same. It's crazy. Yeah. Good for him, man. Um, Let's see, he was born in, uh, where is it? He was born in... How does this say? 1949. So what does that make it? Means yeah, like 60, 67 or something like that. Wow, that's um, great. Yeah, he looks really good, and he's uh, and he's every bit the intelligent, coherent person he was in his prime. The um, is there anything else we need to talk about before we get out of here? Um, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, Not really important. I think we touched on everything. SmackDown is. Shane is running SmackDown. We talked about. It. I, we have no idea what that means. Next week they're going. Next week they're announcing new like general managers to run. I was talking both to Ron Funches about it, and he had a good point of uh, what if Angle was picked as uh, one of the GMs. Bring back. I Angle mean, that's great GM. fantasy booking. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm doing the thing that you do. Like, what if Shawn Michaels came back and Bret Hart got healthy again, and they had one more Iron Man match? It's almost like, you know, kind yeah. of. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, to see, I mean, I guess this yeah. is these these people are basically just existing to give Shane and Stephanie like you know the ability to go on vacation on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll see we'll see who they pick. Um. But yeah, I mean, do you want to? Is there, do you have any final thoughts about about final deletion and or? Uh, I you know I, I think New it's Day great. I, I really hope that it did show you when the Wyatts did the next night how great the final deletion was just because. Because once you start replicating it, then it becomes the new establishment. So I would say that what the lessons to be learned from Final Deletion is not copying Final Deletion, but to to do something outside the box. 
you know, and uh, why, why, why I love the final deletion, but I think, you know, some stuff that's, you know, but I always love, I kind of like some of that chintzy stuff, like, you know, like the Hollywood backlot brawl between Goldust and Roddy Piper. Love it, yeah. And, you know, like even the stupid monster truck thing between Hogan and, and Paul yeah, Heyman. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was really bad. Okay. That was really bad. But like, I mean, and I made fun of it on a podcast, but how much fun. You know, like, wh- what are we going to remember? You know, remember, are we going to remember the sixth great Kevin Owens Cesaro match? Are we going to remember the Yeti coming out dressed as a mummy, you know, holding on to somebody? Like, what's giving us more long term? this thing joy? full circle, man. That was incredible. <laughs> Uh, the Dungeon of Doom is, I mean, and 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 honestly, talking about guy, you know, like the good things that happen in wrestling when people are just given the time to to yeah. do whatever the hell they want. Kevin Sullivan is probably the best example. The roster wasn't really as limited when he was booking WCW, but he just had full control, so he could do you know fifteen minute weird sec- segments yeah. about you know debuting crazy wrestlers that would never end up wrestling, you know, and this sort of, I mean, those. Those Dungeon of Doom segments were just next level weird. I mean, that was like, it's good to have a little of that back. Like, uh, I think I was listening to Lawler on Jericho or something like this. This was a couple months ago. But, you know, he was talking about how, like, you know, back then they would be like, yeah, we just have Santa Claus versus Jason in a match, you know? Yeah. And And I think that some of that... Why doesn't TNA just do that? Be the goofy. Well, they don't like, have they don't have the ability to skirt copyright laws the way that Jerry Lawler did in Memphis. <laughs> that's true. He did. He, he was probably just like literally just selling memorabilia, like selling Star Wars stuff. There. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Like the teenage, he had a fake Ninja Turtle named Cowabunga. He had a Spider Man. <laughs> like he was just putting right. He was putting like like you know popular copyrighted figures into the ring and i'm sure selling like iron-on decals for their t-shirts right what a weird guy bought a batmobile anybody who buys a batmobile weird guy yeah and has a lot of other interesting stuff going on in his life uh yeah is that it that is he's a really good jenga player what are you talking about yes uh, his jenga skills are are (laughs) are renowned um was there anything else that we wanted to talk about not really i think we hit everything right yeah i think it's pretty good the uh the Final deletion will go down in history, I feel like, in yeah. pro wrestling. Um, it's weird how to do it because I was thinking, like, does this get nominated? You know, that website, WrestleCrap, does it get nominated for the Gooker Award? Yeah, or, I think that it's, I, I think, think it, it can do- be, I think it can be both WrestleCrap and just wrestling awesome. Yeah, I think it's somewhere, it's somewhere in the middle, but you know, like, I, I had a lot of fun. And I remember I was depressed Friday night, I think, about something, and I watched it, and I was like, it actually got me into a better mood, which I can't say about most wrestling. Yeah, no, I thought it was. I thought it was really good, and I can't even believe people thought it wasn't weird enough because it was. I had already heard about it, it when I watched it. Pretty fucking weird. Yeah, it was very, very strange in the best possible way. Jeff Hardy chased Matt Matt Hardy's drone on a dirt bike throughout his property. There's nothing weirder than that. I just don't. Yeah, I would. Lo- I would have given anything to be there for the filming of that. Maybe if there's a. I don't think. If oh, my favorite part was the referee just showing up. That was it was so great just driving right. That was another moment of clear self awareness. I don't want to say it was there was only the one, but like, there was a couple moments of clear self awareness. Yeah, but there, but like Matt has such a crazy look on his face in general that like you almost believe that he's that crazy. It was perfect, man. It was just like this is the the argument for him why he why he's actually really great is because he knows and he's able to use it. He, he like he's sort of he's just weirdly self aware. Well, you're and, one of the people who say like uh, I always ask you when is a wrestler working you, and he said all the time. Oh yeah, you know, when they're not the working time. with you, and when they're not, you. what you know, Randy Orton. What, I wrote a piece for Grantland that was just like saying like it's called in defense of Orton, just kind of making the case that he's the like that he is a legit headliner and one of the top guys WWE has. But this is when he was champion. Yeah, because there's that because he was actually playing this dick character, this kind of like slightly slow asshole, and. That's the sort of that's what we imagine him to be, and when he's really amping that up, then it's like then he has earned the top spot, like he belongs up in, yeah. in the upper echelon. I mean, he does like genuine heel, like uh, you on video. You can go on YouTube and find videos of him. I like to pretend I'm a casual wrestling fan, but uh, but you can find videos of him like at house shows, just leaving the house show and asking a fan for a cigarette outside, yeah. smoking the cigarette with a the fan, then going back in and like giving the guys like. A peace sign, which is like the most heel thing you could do. Oh probably. my gosh! I, that, Smoking a Newport Light with a fan outside the Continental Airlines Arena that's, is the most not, heel thing you can do. I, that is true, and that is there's nothing else I can say to top that. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, thanks for coming by, Dan. We'll see yeah, you again can soon. I, uh, can I promote some yeah, stuff? Yeah, plug your I'm stuff. Sorry. Uh, I'm doing At Midnight on Comedy Central in wow, a week big time. on Tuesday. I'm back on At Midnight, so check that out. Uh, I also co-host the uh, My Dumb Friends and Not Safe podcast, the Not Safe show. On, uh, Not Safe with Nikki Glaser. Yeah, with Nikki Glaser. On, uh, it's on... Uh, Comedy Central at 10.30 after, after Tosh on Tuesday. So you can watch Not Safe and then me up on at midnight, which is now I'm just really uh, putting myself over. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be at the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival at the end of the month. I'm going to be doing a TV what? set. Oh, it's the big festival. I know. It's like I've the heard mania, all about it. The WrestleMania of uh, French comedy festivals. Uh, but uh, I'm going to be out there and I'm going to be doing a TV set. Um, and on, on actually Nikki's TV kind of show she's got up there. And I'm also going to be doing, our, which David did, our podcast, My Dumb Friends. We're going to do a live version on that at the Hyatt Hotel at noon that day. So come by, dancejermaine.net. This is great. Out. This is You're getting into Ric Flair territory. Like you're going to be in the lobby of the Hyatt if you want to I'm come by and have a drink. Lobby of the Hyatt. We will be doing, we're thinking about doing a super sex trip afterwards, which is a famed uh, strip club in Montreal. So our fans, you yeah. know, I'm going to be styling and profiling Drinking them Diet Cokes and, you know. This is, I mean, I am so, I am so jealous of all this. Uh, I am, uh, I, I have no comedy shows to promote. You went to one last night. I did not, I didn't end up going. Oh, you didn't. Some crazy stuff happened. But, uh, yeah, LA's full of these comedy shows. I could, I could do this all the time. The, um, uh, I'm at David Shoemaker. Read The Ringer. I have stuff that, uh, theringer.com. I have stuff that comes up there a lot. And, and, don't, and read the stuff that I don't write, too, wrestling fans. I There's a lot of really, Doug in there last night. It was yeah, great. Really good. Chase Serrano is, uh, is, is, has been uh, brought into the family, brought back into the family. I don't really know how that goes. There's a lot of really, really crazy good stuff that's gone up this week. Um, but yeah, I if you'll be doing your comedy. I'll be uh, here yeah. doing art and writing for The Ringer and this podcast. And, uh, um, Thanks to Tate, I'm gonna go outside. Thanks, and I'm gonna go outside a and ask. Pretty fucking sweet uh, track, uh, tracksuit right now. I'm gonna go outside and, and ask a fan for a Newport light, and uh, <laughs> we'll be back here next Thanks week, humanoids. Bye, guys. Bye.